Hello there, my friends. It's been quite noisy here lately. I'm grateful to have found a time of quiet, of peace, of silence, cold and soft, and company. I don't just mean your company, though I am grateful for it, but I'm grateful for Well, you'll see. We'll get there. I've been thinking about why I draw tarot cards for this show. At first it was out of a fear of running out of ideas. Inspiration. Setting rules, parameters, boundaries for something as boundless as the imagination is a helpful tool, or so I thought. I think I'm afraid of that boundlessness, that vastness, that directionlessness. But I am becoming less so. Now, drawing a tarot card to inspire an episode of this podcast is less of a guideline for a story. A little piece of fiction with a personal yet universal meaning, I dare to hope. A little escape from what is normal and modern to provide a magical and timeless experience. Again, I dare to hope. It's nice and I love it and I want forever to be surrounded by timelessness and magic. But as I was saying, my practice of drawing a card has become less about this and more about the element of communication communicating with myself, through myself, using myself as a medium, a vehicle to speak with the version of myself that is also boundless and vast, the me that is one with everything else, the me that is actually nobody, gloriously free of me, and so not weighed down by me. Not at all. Last week I concluded that we heal ourselves through connecting with ourselves, each other and everything, that same boundlessness of which I was just speaking, and that we connect through expressing ourselves, and that we express ourselves through the act of creation. So I asked my tarot cards this week, What should I create? I want to heal. I want to connect. I want to express. Therefore, I should create. But what else can I make? What should I do differently, if anything? What new thing can I make? Even if it's a metaphor, tell me. Tell me, tell me. I drew, for the fifth time, the Eight of Swords. It was reversed. I keep seeing this card. Upright, it is being stuck, being trapped, needing to find a way out of a difficult situation that feels hopeless. Reversed, it is self-entrapment, self-criticism needing to release yourself from chains of your own design. 
They are similar, but different enough to note the contrast. Reversed, the Eight of Swords is quite fascinating, in fact. I know I've spoken about it at length, but it keeps presenting itself, and so I will keep speaking about it. This card tells us to see new ways to see our situation, or cycles we find ourselves in. Do not become a victim. Rather, take the reins in the situation and change it. I confess to a certain degree of fatigue now. What else can I create? How else can I change my perspective? Sometimes I feel as though all I do is change my perspective. And yet I keep falling, falling, falling back down to earth with a hard crash. The cycle is painful. Now I find joy in it too. Being here, bloody and wounded from the fall and no longer hiding it from the rest of the world. I feel much better to be open and in the light with who and what I am. Yet I know I am just trapping myself in a different way. Trapping myself in a different set of expectations. In a different cycle. I am the medium and the spirit. The cage and the key. I am at once that which is beloved and that which loves too. I get stuck in the riddle of it all and confused, and lost. And maybe that's something I need to accept. I can't solve anything. I might not be able to find all the answers I seek. Maybe not in this lifetime. Maybe I will, but it will not be what frees me from me. Anyway, so in the city, in the middle of the road, I sat bloody and hurt and laughing and weeping and open to something new, waiting and ready for others who were exactly like me but in these different little bloody bodies, wonderful and beautiful and utterly human and vulnerable. After some time, I began to walk and walk and walk. I remembered all the other times I walked and walked and walked, feet taking me to some unknown destination, but knowing they were going somewhere very important, very necessary, very magical in its own right. Another tower. Mm, a building. With a little field behind it little houses, a street with little driveways in the front and little gardens in the back. I tried to enter a little garden, just to feel the grass under my feet, just to smell the rain in the soil. I wasn't going to touch anything, I just wanted to remember what it was like to be a growing and green creature. But the little people inside the house screamed in the night at the sight of me. 
Why shouldn't they? And I ran away. I cannot have that grass, that rain, that soil, sadly. I went to the little field where the tall building stood, and though the grass felt good, I also felt trash and plastic under my feet. The rabbits burrowing beneath, I could feel their vibrations, and I was glad to feel them waking up in the springtime. They too are displeased with the state of the earth here, the carelessness towards it, but they refuse to relocate. They live here, and they will burrow, no matter what, and I am happy for them. I looked up at a balcony, a messy one. I knew that it was the right one. Soon I will start to climb up the side of the wall, up the brick, grasping with bloody fingernails, leaving a trail of blood as I go. I'm going to get up there to that balcony, no matter what. In a past life, I could have flown up there, maybe, with huge wings. But those days are done. I am going to get up there, soon. But first, another little story. About how, in that moment that I had decided to go up the wall and climb over and onto the balcony of the person I need to sit with the most tonight, something in the air changed. It was suddenly foggy, misty, cold and wet from a spring rain. But it was not raining, was it? How did this come over the world so quickly? I looked at the street, with the little brick houses and the little orange lights usually lit within them. But suddenly they all went dark, cold and gray out here in the sunset. Having trouble with characters lately. I hope that's okay. You know them already. Every single one of them. So does it really matter whose face I put to each and every protagonist? I see these little houses, with their little gardens in the backyard that I cannot visit because this is not my place. None of it. My forest is somewhere else. My green must be within my blood, or high up in cement walls, or where my closed eyes try to remember to love silence at night. This is not my place. And yet... I heard something on the wind behind me. Uh, Singing. I cannot resist a song. <laughs> I wonder if this voice knows that. The street lights flicker a little as the houses light up with their little orange lights once more. But it's the middle of the night, so all is still. 
I turn around and I look down the road. I see the houses in the road, silent and quiet as a late night on a little street such as this ought to be. But I cannot see further than a few houses ahead. Everything else is cloaked in mist. I can only see because of the street lamps, so high above me that I just see their glow, and it helps, but I cannot see what's ahead of me. I can only hear that voice. I walk down the street, past the houses which are strikingly identical. I hadn't noticed that before. How strange. There is a dead end and a turn. I must go left. And so I do. And there are so few houses down this street, and fewer street lamps. It's darker, but what lovely yards they have, with their trees and shrubs and grass that looks overgrown, and plants that look like they haven't seen gardening shears in decades. Yes, this is much better. I feel a little more at ease. And that voice grows louder. I hope I can manage to find my way back to that building that I know I must climb soon. I'll find it again. I always do. But until then, there's the more urgent matter of the voice. There's another left turn, and only one or two little homes on either side now. And there are no lights within, and none without, either. The homes are abandoned, the doors swinging wide open in the night, screeching. No street lights. Yet the moonlight is enough for me to see through the mist, just barely. And my cat-like eyes see keenly in the dark anyway. The voice is louder now. Who could it be? I think it's becoming more and more clear in every passing moment here that this is not the city as I knew it. But then again, perhaps it never was. Perhaps there has always been another city, within the city, beyond the city, behind the city. Maybe this is the real place. And maybe, just maybe, it is my place, after all. There are no more houses anymore. Only trees. Yes, I saw them the first night I came here. The trees. The hidden trees within the concrete and the electricity and the noise. The secret forest. I do belong here, after all. But it is not mine. Not exactly, though it has some similar features. 
This is still unknown territory to me. It is the only forest. The only thing that remains is the road, and as I walk it, I realize that soon it becomes decorated with tufts of grass, weeds, dandelions, saplings. It doesn't leave. It doesn't go anywhere. It is simply not standing in the way of the rest of the world anymore. Skeletons of houses from centuries ago might remain here too, covered in moss and vines and erupting with trees of their own. But I can't really tell. It's too dark, and everything's green. I hear them again, that little voice. And I see them, crouched by a little tree, whispering to it, hanging sparkling baubles on its branches. The tree is sick. It is having trouble growing, I can tell. Some of its branches have been torn off, likely in one of the strange and unseasonal storms that have been occurring here lately. There is trash that has been swept aside in a little pile. Empty beer cans and plastic bags. The figure whose voice I followed is gently wiping away something written on the tree, maybe in spray paint. But they also cannot mend the wounds that have been carved into its bark. The figure is whispering gentle little things to the tree, singing to it taking care of it. I do not make a sound, and yet suddenly, perhaps as a breeze caught my scent on the wind, the figure froze and turned around. She is an old woman, cloaked in black, eyes large and white, though I know she can see me perfectly. And she watches me for some time. I see in her at first a stranger. A fascinating monster in a surreal forest in another plane of reality. Then, everything flashes white for a moment as she blinks her big white eyes. And she changes into... A woman with a history, a family, a smile and a laugh that have comforted me just by existing in my heart for my whole life. Then she blinks her eyes again and all flashes white. And she is somehow words on a page written by someone I admire that I read while sitting by a lake once. Her words so powerful that they made me gasp aloud as my eyes instantly filled with tears. The words on the page tell me that she blinks her eyes again. There's a flash of white. And suddenly, she's the little girl in my imaginary forest who saw me in the shadows and did not run or scream but gave me a smile, a kind word, 
and a little bracelet which, regardless of what it was made of, was of priceless value to both this little soul and then in turn to me. I look down. The bracelet is on my wrist even still. A reminder to give freely and care deeply and go bravely into dark and different woods. I heard it calling for help years and years ago, she tells me. She is the old woman in the cloak again, the one who is a complete stranger and yet someone I know so very well, all at once. I had to help. I didn't know much what I ought to do, but I had to help. She said gently, while stroking the weak little tree's trunk. And I heard the creaking of a wooden door. And I was correct, there are little houses here. The road is still here. It's just that the world has been allowed to thrive, to breathe, by the people who protect it here. One door opens, and yards away I see another woman. An old woman who once had stars in her eyes, but now only green thumbs. She held a lamp, glowing with candlelight, in her hand. Another door on the other side of the road and it is a woman with eyes glowing red and orange, like flame, like witch's fire that dares not harm someone magical and good. Her apron was covered in flour and oats. She too held a little lantern, dangled it at her side. Another door, another warm and gentle person. A beautiful old vampire with long white hair and silk robes. And though he was still tired as ever, his smile was no less generous and welcoming. He held aloft a candlestick so I could see his face in the shadows. Doors creaked all over this forest with little lights appearing. Candles, like candles in the window. Someone else did that once, I think, at the second beginning of all this. A candle in a tower. Where are you going? No, don't take this from me, please, not this moment. Not all this kind company, not all these sweet faces who want to help and care and love. These gentle elders, I will be lost without them. What will I do without you here? I am sitting on the balcony now, staring in through the tall window in the door. 
I made my way here. I don't remember climbing. I was just here. I am here. I am here. And sitting across from me, looking at me from the other side of the glass, from within the apartment, is someone. Someone I know very well. Someone I speak about at length. Someone you know too. With a computer and glasses, you know her, right? And I know that it's me, and she sees me, and she knows that I'm her too, and in staring at each other we realize that we are actually neither. We are nobody. We are all of those gentle elders in the forest who've guided me along this journey. Whether fictional or real, they are here. They are all here. And yet not as it ought to be. It shouldn't be an easy answer. We can be all of it. None of it. It doesn't matter. Me and this girl in the apartment. Because we just sit and watch each other. Without expectation. Without need for anything. Nothing from the other. At first there was a dismal and despairing sadness that came over me, as I realized my gentle guides in the woods were disappearing, were fading away, away, away from my memory. Perhaps they were never there to begin with. Maybe it was all a figment of my imagination and they're gone, gone, gone. While it is a sad thought, there is a happier one that crosses my mind as I stare into my own eyes. I know exactly where they are. And I understand, I think, that it is enough for me. It's enough. She does the strangest thing. The me that is the girl in the apartment with the glasses. She stands. She goes to the door. And she opens it. And she comes out and joins me. We look out over the balcony, our hands resting on the rail, though mine are still bloody in places where hers are stained with ink. And we see... You. Down there, on the street. Either looking up at us, or being a little distracted by an unseen forest. Maybe both. Of course you're here. You're here now, aren't you? You can hear me? What is the weight of the expectation you're placing on yourself? What is the price of your joy? What do you feel you owe for your time here? What have you falsely told yourself is the price you must pay in order to be you? You can let it go. 
It is enough. You are enough. You know that truth as well as I know it. That we are, each of us, both the sick tree and the one caring for it. The witch and the fire. The cage and the key. And I hope we can connect over that at least tonight. And in that knowledge, have sweet dreams, friends. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to episode 191 of On a Dark Cold Night. We've made it to the last 10 episodes of season two, haven't we? This is Kristen Zaza, by the way, your host, writer, narrator, podcaster, composer, etc., behind On a Dark Cold Night. Thanks for joining me as I put these pieces together, stitch together this thing I've been weaving and figuring out for a while now. I want to say thank you, first and foremost, to everyone who supports the show through Patreon on a monthly basis. Thank you so much for helping me make this show consistently. It means so much to me. If you're interested in supporting this way, every monthly supporter of $1 or more a month receives access to my ever-growing soundtrack, while every supporter of $5 or more gets that and a monthly tarot reading video I upload every full moon. To learn more, head on over to patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you'd prefer to donate one time only and without those perks, you can do so by visiting my coffee page at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And I have t-shirts and hoodies for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Another great way to help the show is to leave a rating and a review for On a Dark Cold Night on iTunes or wherever else you like to review podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, on Facebook and YouTube under On A Dark Cold Night, and on TikTok at Kristen Zaza. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Thank you for taking care of yourselves and others in your life, too. Trust that you are enough. In your kindness and caring, or when you falter, or change, or grow, it doesn't matter. You're enough, and you don't need to pay a price to think so. I'm not trying to preach or to give advice or anything like that. It's just a little something I'd like to reinforce after thinking about the Eight of Swords. Either reversed or upright. It keeps appearing, and it might always be a challenge for us. But I hope that maybe we can help ourselves move through it. Maybe with just a little acceptance and care. Perhaps. Sweet dreams, my friends. And take care.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.